2: Welcome into our number two of First Take. We'll be leading up to the Bud Light countdown. The kickoff at 5 o'clock with the Cajun Cannon. Then kickoff in the Caesars Superdome between the Saints and Houston Texans. 7 o'clock with the voice Mike Haas and Saints color analyst Deuce McAllister. Also sideline reporter Jeff Nowak who is with me currently. Yes, I am. On the sidelines. How'd you feel? You know, I guess you got to do one game last year when I ended up with the vid. Did you say I'm currently on the sidelines? I'm not on the sidelines. <laughs> well, I'm here with you. Be a- You will be soon, soon to be on the sidelines.
3: Yes. No, it's fun. I'm enjoying it. I'm looking forward to the regular season. One thing I have learned about myself is I am incapable of standing still for more than like 10 seconds. (laughs) If you ever are, are at the game and you just want to see where I am, you will see me just pacing. The entire game. I don't know why. It's just like I have. I, I can't just stand still and watch the game. I have to just constantly go from end zone to end zone. I think I looked at my watch after last game. I had walked at least four miles. I was going to say your, your watch won't be yelling at you. You've been too idle. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. It's fun though. I enjoy. I enjoy getting different looks. Like I. I really enjoy watching it from the end zones when when the play is getting toward that part of the field because you can see stuff from the end zones that you just can't see from the sideline angle. And you know, I've been. It, it, I've been going into the end zones just to try to get a good look at Trevor Penning because that's just an angle we don't get to see during practice and you know when you're looking at the all 22 you can see it but you know it's you can't really tell what's going on with the tackles unless you're getting that look from the end zones so that's been that's been enjoyable for me to watch uh, and kind of just getting around and and seeing how players react and and how they you know it's Coming off the field is one of the interesting things. Cause you don't catch that on the broadcast a lot, and you can kind of see how players are reacting, and you know when good things happen, when bad things happen, and you know it feels more real, more visceral when you're when you're when you're that close to it.
2: I was going to say too, it is a lot harder to watch a football game too when you're that close as well. It's, but you it's do hard to keep track. of You what appreciate the on. speed that these guys are playing at, and also the impacts that are happening on get, the field. I get fooled by play
3: action. <laughs> <laughs> a lot more when I'm watching from field level because they're really good at it. They do a good job. And I'm like, oh, there's a running back. Oh, he's gone. Oh, he doesn't have the ball. Oh, no. Where'd did, where did it go? Um, but yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I, I'm, I'm very, very uh, grateful that I get to do it.
2: Uh, we're going to get into some of our training camp sound bank that's brought to you by the sound banking at first American bank, a banking tradition since 1910, Jeff, along with Bobby a caught up with defensive end Peyton Turner, who's got a lot to say as he's battling for one of those starting spots along the D line. And here it is. Peyton,
3: one of the things that stood out to me for you throughout this camp is you've been here every day. It seems like the health is really on your side this year. How has that kind of helped you just get
4: into the flow of things a little better this this offseason? Uh, I mean, I've talked about it earlier this offseason, just having that routine. Um, I feel like I've got a good routine of taking care of my body, taking care of what needs to be taken care of for me to go out there and feel good at practice and then for me to go out there and feel good at game day. So as far as me being healthy, just giving me the opportunity to go out here and actually work on my craft rather than worry about ah, my, you know, ah, my oblique, like I don't, I don't really know if I can really do this rep today. You know, I don't know if I can do this rep today. And then, you know, being able to go out there and trust my body on game day because I've been able to do it throughout all the practice, I think it's just helped me have success on the field.
5: Now, uh, you know, Peyton, you were talking about earlier about uh, making a priority to stop the run. And, you know, you'll be challenged the very first game against Derrick Henry, you know, and the Titans, because they're going to be coming downhill. But I was talking with uh, Coach Allen, and also you'll probably address this in the meeting room, because the quarterback yards, they do count also against the run. It, it, just break that down, maybe, what you went on and like in the meeting room about containment, and uh being aware of also uh you know not letting the quarterback get out the pocket and having successful runs
4: yeah i mean that's a bunch of hidden yardage, right um you know you see you see 5.1 to carry how many of those yards came from scramble um so i mean it's an emphasis on rush lanes and being able to be a smart player um while you're rushing right so you know you got a quarterback that likes to step up and go out to his right and throw you got quarterbacks that like to step up in the a's and and get out and run um especially like the down and distance is also a factor, you know, so um just being smarter with our rush lanes and being smarter with our rush plan, I think is the biggest thing that we've, we've talked about because there's a lot of yardage that, you know, you get them in, I don't even remember what we had them, third and long or something, you know, we had, a, we had them in a, you know, advantageous position for defense. Right. And then we mix up our rush lanes a little bit, quarterback steps up, he's out for 20 yards, whatever it may be. So, um, And the longest yards of the day, I think, came two quarterback runs, if I'm not not mistaken. So just um, having an emphasis on rushing smarter and knowing where we're at with our rush and who's rushing where, right? So, you know, I got a fast three tech that likes to eat that B up. Probably not going to work an inside move. Might work him up the field on a speed speed rush. Doesn't come clean. I'm coming back under. So just working together and, like, it's just more reps, you know? More reps with Brian, more reps with Colin, more reps with, uh, you know, all the interior guys that we got, Roach. Um and just getting accustomed to how each different person rushes.
5: Now, uh, Peyton, as far as uh, being in the rotation, and uh, always say this to the fans that hey, listen, it doesn't matter when you come into the game because you're a start on that play, mm-hmm. and then they count. So whether you know you're getting 25 snaps, 40 snaps, whatever it might be. Uh, that when you're in there they're counting on you as a starter so have they maybe talked to you yet about uh, the rotation or it could be a game plan how you're being utilized uh, you know whether it's down and distance or uh, you know first down because there's been a lot of competition and, and how he's grown as a player you, you're aware of that Carl Grandison and how he's grown and you know competition is, is good for everybody and you want to keep everybody fresh and the point being um, is that the mentality that, look, when you're in there, that you're a starter even though you might not be on that first defensive
4: snap? Uh, I think the mentality is go in there and make a play, right? Um, that's something that uh, Grantham's been emphasizing, just go out there and make plays. And um, I think it's something DA's been mentioning too when he's talking about we want a highly conditioned team, right? So being able to go out there be fresh every time you're out there. Every time you're out there, there's an opportunity for you to make a play. Uh, so, I mean, you know, we keep stats uh, in the D-line room, just the, just the D-linemen, you know what I mean? So we're going in there we – you play one snap a game and you come back statless. It's still fun. It's still it's still right, fun on the DB right. line. So I mean, um, whether it's jumping on a pile, contributing, helping in a in a game, uh, a twist game or whatever it may be, just going out there and trying to help the team make a play. Uh, so I, th- I don't think it's about going out there and and I mean it is going about going out there and just seeing every rep as its own. And going out there and trying to play hard for that for that very rep, but it's also just about going out there and contributing. So I think that's the emphasis.
5: Now, Peyton, how was it, um, like practicing against the Chargers, not going against the same people? And obviously, you know the Chiefs and the Chargers, you have played a game, and not having that opportunity to practice against the Texans. So you, you know you have the the matchup on Sunday, but is that something you welcome just to see? Because the more experience you can get against a different technique and, and different linemen and so.
4: Yeah, it'd been great to go against the Texans too, cause they got two solid tackles too, right? So um, every opportunity is its own. Uh, being able to go out there and play them on Sundays. is as good as getting lined up on Thursday and, and practicing against them. So except the quarterback's live, you know. So you yeah, finish. yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, right. So that's the that's the whole idea behind that. But it's always great to get more experience with whoever you're going up against.
3: You know, we've heard all camp. Force and turnover first and turnovers rake right? get the ball get the ball out and obviously you had that strip sack on Easton stick in that game what did you see on that play and you know how do you feel like that has resonated that kind of messaging we're forcing turnovers this year how's that going
4: oh uh, yeah um, you know I worked a couple uh, power rushes outside rushes and then um, you know I felt I felt them not not coming clean every single time right so got off the ball Use speed, get his feet running, come up, come up under, and then you know just make a play on the uh, on the uh, ball. Um, it's been an emphasis this entire camp, though. It's an emphasis every camp, but I think uh, especially this camp, just given uh, you know our lack of turnovers last year and our lack of takeaways. So I think we're doing a really good job about just emphasizing it each day. We come out here punching at the ball, getting the ball out, making it about the ball. So. Um, and, and Peyton, that's what I was going to bring up because, you know, I look back
5: in the day I was playing, late 80s, early 90s, and all that time frame where you can hit the quarterback in the head, you can hit him low, man. where now you can only between the shoulder and the waist. And I always said, and it seems like more defenses are doing this, that uh, just go for the quarterback's arm. Not, yeah. They can't call a penalty on that. Look how Brock Purdy got hurt. Yeah, love game. The Forty Nineers go for the ball, get it out. You know, a lot of times I want to cream the quarterback, but you right. can't do it anymore. And just be ball hawking and look, you can break his arm. I don't think they got a penalty on that, yeah. but, but just knocking the ball, like right. you said, that being a target has that been a focus? like uh, targeting like the position where that ball is to get that out instead of really just trying to plant the quarterback?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's you, it's so hard to get, you know, knockout shots now on quarterbacks, right? They're so protected. You know, you come home to a $50,000 fine in right. the mail. So just making an emphasis on the ball. Yeah, we have worked out with the football in it. Um, like a quarterback's throwing it. So that's, that's always an emphasis to go for the ball and, uh, especially this camp, like I said, just getting the ball out and causing takeaways has been a big focus.
3: All right, it's been Jeff Nowak and Bobby Aber chatting with Saints defensive end Peyton Turner. Thanks so much for the time, man.
4: Good luck yeah. with us camp. You. For sure, appreciate it, y'all.
2: Great stuff with defensive end Peyton Turner with the Saints. And Jeff, a guy that we know has been battling for that starting spot. Uh, but a veteran like Carl Granderson has been battling right back. And man, oh man, th- those – that's one of the the competitions at camp that's really been intense. I feel like they're you, it's hard to peg a winner right there. Really? Uh, yeah, I think Carl's in the lead, but I feel like Peyton Turner's been right there with his production.
3: See, I would disagree. I don't I don't know if that's actually been a battle so much as as it's just one guy trying to get better and and be productive in year three when it's just a, such a massive year for any rookie, especially a first round rookie, where you have that option. Looming in year five, which I think it's it's one of the few times as a as a rookie or as a as a young player, you're like, please give me that fifth year option because that's the first time you're gonna actually get paid because that the money you get on that fifth year option is significant co- compared to the rookie deal. Um,
2: so you don't think the competition's been that close? I don't.
3: Th- well, I, I think it's been reasonably close, but I don't think it's been like like Paul Sandibo and Alanti Taylor. You haven't made a decision on who's gonna start. They're battling to for you to decide that. In this case, Carl's the starter, and Peyton is working in trying to
2: prove his worth. I got you there. Yeah.
3: So I don't know if it's like I don't think that it's a case where Carl is is looking over his shoulder, being like, "Oh, well, who who's going to start?" Like he knows he's the starter. And the question for me is, can Peyton do enough to 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 get on the field to force you to get him on the field as much as possible? to make that snap share as close to 50-50 as as you're willing to make it. Because right now, there is a snap share that's going to be happening, and it's going to be a rotation. It's not going – like, if Paul Sanadipo wins the starting job at corner, he's going to get reasonably close to 100% of the snaps. Carl Granderson's going to start at right defensive end or what? whatever. I, I always forget which side is which. Um, and there's going to be a percentage of those snaps that goes to Peyton Turner. Is it going to be 40%? Is it going to be 30%? And what do you do with those snaps is the question. I actually would prefer it that way because Cam Jordan is a unicorn when <laughs> it comes to durability. Most defensive ends aren't going to be able to play 95% of the snaps and do and, and maintain that level of play the way he does. I would much rather see a rested Carl Granderson, a rested Peyton Turner in the fourth quarter of a game because they only got, you know, half the snaps and you kind of rotated them in and out. You're also going to see a lot of NASCAR packages where you get all three of those guys in the field at the same time. So, I mean, I think Peyton's played really well. And to me, the most impressive thing he's done I asked him about it is – just be available. That's been the biggest issue for Peyton is he just hasn't been available to do the work. He keeps getting hurt. He keeps having these nagging injuries. He just, he's been able to avoid that this year. I think part of that is his own preparation is he's dedicated himself to making sure his body is what it needs to be and where it needs to be. And so he's in a position where, you know, you have depth, and he is that depth. And then next year, who knows? But right now I, I think you are looking at Cam on one side, Carl on the other, and then Peyton is that kind of premium depth, which, yeah, as a first-round pick, you would have loved to see him be – that like entrenched starter by now but but with what we have seen from him he's played 10 games over two seasons I to me a victory is a productive player who's on the field for 14 games this year
2: Want to hear from you on the Oakland Heart Jewelers talking text line, 504-260-1870. Countdown to the kickoff, 7 o'clock in the Superdome between the Saints and Houston Texans for the preseason finale. Saints have a chance to go undefeated in the preseason, something they have never accomplished in franchise history. I know, big deal. That is true. We'll be back with more on Sports uh, First Take right after this on WWL.
5: Call from mom. Answer it
1: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Oakland Hard Jewelers Rolex time check is 2 hours, 35 minutes, till a 7 o'clock kickoff in the Caesar Superdome. New Orleans Saints wrapping up the preseason against the Houston Texans. Looking to go three and O. Oh.
3: Yeah, so you know, I looked this up after after you mentioned that because I didn't even realize they'd never gone <laughs> undefeated in the preseason. It means nothing, but it's still kind of fascinating. They're not only they not only have of itself, but like you look at teams that have gone undefeated in the preseason. I very vividly remember the Lions going 4-0 and in the preseason and then proceeding to go 0-16 in the regular season. So it means nothing. You know, the Ravens had their really long preseason winning streak end this year, and they seem kind of mad about it. And
2: now they're in a tailspin. They've dropped two in a row. Well, once they – yeah, it was
3: very much a, uh, yeah, well, let's do it until we don't. Um, but, yeah, it was just funny to watch. I think it was Washington. I can't remember who beat them. But they were trying yeah, to beat it. Was, him,
2: it was definitely the commanders, which
3: is funny to me, because uh, everyone pretends they don't care, and then they're like, oh, "No, we're going to end this. We're ending this now." Uh, but yeah, it's at this point, you know, we talk about this. It's you know the game itself. You know, it matters to certain players. The it, it means more to certain players, um, and but the but the result really doesn't mean that much. The individual performances mean a lot, and I think to an extent, like the result is a product of playing well. So that's kind of why you look at it. If you if you lose a game because of a bunch of mistakes, that's going to weigh a lot more heavily because you did. If you can find a way to win a game, even though you made a bunch of mistakes, it maybe it helps you a little bit. Um, I can tell you, if this team has another fourteen penalty performance today, uh, heads are going to roll, right? Like this is not a game where you want to be the on the hook for some of these penalties. I talked to Doug Marone about it, and he was just exasperated by this, like the pre-snap penalties. It's like you, we, the, we could not make this more of an emphasis. I can't even put into words how much of an emphasis this has been. You can't do it. You can't do that stuff and expect to make a team. Um, and, you know, it's, it's something that these guys, they have to figure out. Um, you know, you're not going to be dealing with the crowd noise this week the way that you would in the regular season. And there's really no excuse for procedural penalties right now.
2: The penalties are definitely one of those trends we would like to see rectified. It has not been 23 pretty. in two weeks. 23 in two weeks. Yeah, that's not going to cut it at Accept all. Accepted. There were more. <laughs> those are the ones that were accepted. Uh, that's on the negative sides of the trending for the Saints on the positive end. I will say at least we hope to see more of the takeaways and the limiting of the giveaways. That's been a, a huge positive this preseason right now.
3: I agree. We do have a text here, so I want to get into that. So the question is from uh seven six six two says, What is plan B if Trevor Penning can't handle left tackle? Do we swing a trade before cut down day or stay in house? We're deep at defensive back. Yeah, I mean, I, he's gonna get his chance. Like you're not there's nothing that you're gonna see today that's gonna make you think, Oh, we gotta find a left tackle for in the next two weeks. We and gotta n- do it. Nobody's
2: just cutting a left tackle either. That's gonna start right. for your team immediately. Barring injury. <laughs>
3: Trevor Penning is going to be your starting left tackle week one. And, you know, the, the, you just have to build in some grace there, knowing that a young player is not going to be perfect all the time. And, you know, I think we have seen him take steps forward. I I, I want to see uh, after today's game, I'm going to go back and kind of go through, okay, this is week one tape, this is week two tape, this is week three tape, and see kind of what you see each week. And I think he has progressed. Um, but it's just a question. Now, if you get into week five and he's just not cutting it, then I think you, you would probably, you may need to have a backup plan. And right now, I'd guess that's James Hurst in terms of you still have Andres Pete. Even if James Hurst starts at left guard, you you know that Andres Pete could start. We've seen him start. He's a starting caliber left guard. So if you do get midway through the season and Trevor just can't get it done, which I don't think is going to be the case, but you have to at least build in the, the contingency for it, I think you would kick Tr- James Hurst out the tackle and start Andres Pete and then figure things out with Trevor. Um, I don't I'm not say, I don't think that's gonna be the case, but when I talked to Doug, he was very very clear that he thinks James Hurst could start at four different offensive <laughs> line positions and play well. It's just one of the things he's able to do. It's why you're able to have a, you know, decade long career in the NFL without being a top draft pick and without ever being one of these perennial pro bowlers. Um but I, I, I have confidence in Trevor Penning, but he's a young player, and that's why this is a team that tries to avoid heaping too much pressure and responsibility on rookies they do it's just a fact and because of the injuries last year the year that was going to be his kind of ramp up slow build you know get there as you get their season was gone and now you are kind of stuck with okay this is you, you got to do it now um so it, that is going to be something that I you, you ha- he has to play well enough to at least not torpedo the plans that they have that's what you need from him.
2: I feel like this is a good lead-in. Uh, you have an article at WWL.com. Folks can check out three things to watch in the Saints preseason finale versus the Texans. Uh, Jeff, we talked about, obviously, the wide receivers early on. You're looking at that battle between uh, Shaq Davis and A.T. Perry. Uh, just talking about the offensive line with Trevor Penning going into this matchup as well. And uh, number three for you, special teams. That's a that's always a key, especially with so many jobs in that area still on the line right now.
3: Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're looking for reasons, and I had someone text me before the game, he's going to be there, and he's like, "What do I? What should I pay attention to? I need to justify the three <laughs> hours I'm going to spend watching this game. Tell me what I should be watching." And to me, one of the things that if you're if you're trying to evaluate. If you're one of those people that just wants to kind of see where people stand and, the you know, you, you want to watch things that might not be the most exciting, but you want to learn about stuff and you want to have an idea of who's going to make the team, watch special teams. Watch the guys who are out there at Gunner and Jammer. Watch who's getting downfield and making plays on kickoffs. You know, watch the returners. More so than just, like, making a big return, what kind of plays are they making? Are they fielding the ball well? Are they saving you yards, right? If a punt returner is makes, it saves you hidden yardage by making a great play on a punt, that's, that's, a, that's a credit to them, right? Who is out there as the gunner? You're probably not going to see a guy like JT Gray. So who's taking those reps on? Because that's going to be what makes – like when you're the fringe roster guy, that's what gets you on the team. I've gone back and forth with a few people on Jalen Smith because as a depth linebacker, which Jalen Smith is 100% a depth linebacker. I don't care what his name is. He is a depth linebacker on this team. You got to play special teams. Zach Bond is not on this roster because he's the best Sam linebacker in the NFL. He's here because he plays special teams and he can contribute at the Sam linebacker spot. If you're Jalen Smith, you have to be committed to playing special teams. So I'm going to be watching him in that role because he's got to be able to do it. And he hasn't really done it throughout his career because he's just been in situations where he hasn't been asked to do it. Right. When you're the starting middle linebacker, typically you're not going to be asked. You don't ask Demargo Davis to go out there on special teams. But he's going to have to do it. He's only had 270 something snaps at, at special teams in his career, in his six year NFL career. For perspective, Andrew Dowell last year had over 400 special team snaps just in the 2022 season. So you got to find, I mean, what roster spot is he taking if it's not Andrew Dowell's, right? So you got to find something there. So, that's if you're watching this game and you're trying to find reasons to justify it, and it's like you know you're not mowing the lawn, you're watching this game instead. Those are the snaps that I think you're going to get something out of.
2: I think something else exciting. Obviously, you know Jameis Winston will likely get the start at quarterback. Right? I don't think. Oh, he will. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jake Hayner is going to be coming in right away, but when Hayner does come in, uh, obviously. I'm sure Houdins are going to be anxious to see his continued development. You know, it was a bit of a rough outing in the Kansas City game, and he closed it strong, looked a little bit better in the second matchup against the Chargers, and we'll see how that development goes into the preseason finale for him because, I mean, we're hoping, honestly, this is the last time you see Jay Kaner play this year.
3: Yeah, I think that, <laughs> that's kind of how I, how kind I, of I weird. described it in that, in that column. was like, you know, it's it, – it's either by catastrophe in the sense that he gets in because you've got everybody hurt in front of him, or sh- or incredibly good fortune because you have a game at the end of the season where it you're resting everybody yeah. and he's able to get in there. Uh, but you know, I expect things to be somewhere in the middle of that this year, right? And so if that's the case, then you probably won't see Jake Hayner again until next preseason. So he needs. T- this is where you kind of put a stamp on it, and you either really cement yourself as a guy who's going to factor into the plans next year and beyond, or you add question marks and you have people wondering about whether you can be the guy. And so, yeah, this is a huge game for him. But, no, Dennis Allen said pretty matter-of-factly that Jameis is going to be the starter. I expect you'll see the same kind of split today that you have seen the last two weeks, which is Hayner's going to take the second half. And so, you know, the first game you had Derek Carr take that first series and then Jameis took over for the rest of the first half. Last week you had Jameis take the first half, Jake Hainer take the second half with Jameis taking a couple snaps when Jake was off the field going through the concussion protocol. And I expect you'll see that again today. Um, And, uh, you know, I I actually really appreciate that because I think you look at Shaq Davis and, you know, if you wanted to pick a player who fits Jameis's. offensive mind in terms of what he wants to do which is give guys chances and get the ball up there Ooh, and, right uh, I don't I can't think of anyone I'd rather see him throw the ball to than Shaq Davis just a six five guy who played basketball can go up and get it uh, I mean it's like you know like he had a lot of success with Mike Evans I've said this before there's a reason that that he liked no playing to Mike Evans because he's six I think he's probably six five I'd have to look uh, and he can just go up and make plays on high balls and that's what Jameis loves to throw so um, uh, you know I, I I'm I think Shaq's going to have
2: a big day if Jameis
3: is uh, slinging it.
2: I love to, in your article on wwl.com three things to watch in the Saints preseason finale versus the Texans. Closing it out with paging Isaiah Foskey. There's been a lot of criticism, <laughs> a lot of questions from who that's obviously, that haven't been out to practice constantly. Uh, seen the limited action in preseason games where Foskey hasn't really shown up. And, yeah, this has been a concern for folks, and I think – a lot of us are expecting that red shirt year for him, yeah. for this rookie, and I know that's not ideal for a second-round pick, but it's definitely looking he's more of a project right now and not part of that consistent rotation to expect weekly.
3: Yeah, it's been a rough go. I mean, he's, he's learning, right? I think the issue is when you draft a guy in the second round, you expect him to be a bigger impact than right. what we have seen from Isaiah thus far. You know, it's, you're not out on him. Right. Like I, I always tell people, go look at what Cam Jordan stats were in his rookie season. You know, he played, I want to say he started 13 games. He had one sack. Right. And he was obviously being used in uh, as an interior rusher a lot, which is, you know, you look at that now and you're like, why? Hmm. But, you know, it's it, it takes some guys longer than others. And I don't think anyone's questioning, you know, Cam <laughs> because he struggled as a rookie. He, it's worked out pretty good. Though. Yeah, it worked out pretty well for him. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it's just one of those situations where, you know, f- Fortunately for the Saints, you have really good depth at the defensive end position right now, which is not something I expected to say <laughs> um, at this time uh, a few months ago, right? Uh, but yeah, Isaiah, it would really be nice just for his confidence. Even I don't even care what I think. Just for his confidence to have a really solid showing today. Um, You know, he's going to be getting in against the backups, right? Like he's not going against the first team offensive line, which is why it's been a little frustrating when you see him just kind of whiffing on Easton stick last week in in a play he should have been able to make. And uh, so hopefully this is where you can start to see him taking that first step because like, I like Isaiah Foskey. I think he's going to be a solid player. It's just, you know, hasn't, hasn't progressed the way you would have hoped.
2: No. And coming in, obviously you see those 21 sacks, the last two seasons at Notre Dame, there really just hasn't been many flashes at all. Camp to 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 write home about, uh, like I, you know, we we talk about our notes, you know, going in and out, and out every day. That not many times you're putting down the number fifty-five when you're when you're seeing things.
3: No, and, and I mean a big a big element of what you have to do at defensive end with the Saints is play the run, right? And right. so you know, I think that might be part of it. Is you're just picking up stuff at the NFL level, and uh, I think getting after the passer is kind of secondary to that in a four-three defense, um, but. You know, it, it's something that you'd like to see. I'm just, you know, I, I don't. I always, I think there's a lot of overreaction that happens at this point in NFL careers for anybody, right? I saw, I saw people going on Twitter yesterday and and just praising an incomplete pass from Anthony Richardson, and just like it was like this is where we overhype guys and we when we and we dog guys that it's like, they're just learning. They're out here getting better and better, and so they're going to make mistakes. They're going to do things well, um, and it's just for a defensive end, it can be hard to highlight the things you're doing well when the production isn't in the form of a sack or in the form of a pressure, right? If you're just doing your job and playing contain, no one's going to remember that on Monday, but you, you made a good play in the game. So, you know, I, I, even if you're not taking notes on the guy, it doesn't mean he's not doing the right things. Um, and this is my way of saying, just, you know, just relax, you know, he'll come along, but yeah, it's definitely not been the start you would have hoped for from Isaiah. That's, that's to say the least.
2: Hoping to see more from him. Hoping to see less penalties for the black and gold. Have there been any other issues off the top of your head you can think of that you that have popped up in the first two preseason games that might have been uh, a negative going into the finale that you'd like to see cleaned up from this squad? That's a
3: good question. You know, I, I other than the penalties, you know, I think they've played pretty solidly, right? right. Like they forced turnovers. That's been something that. Yeah, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting to see. Yeah, it we're hoping that's contagious. For right, sure. <laughs> I'm hoping that's not just a preseason thing. That's something that is just a mentality thing, and that's what the players have generally echoed back. It's like they, it's forcing turnovers is a habit. It is a, it is a lifestyle, and uh, you know, just it's something you want to do. And they've been doing it well. They also haven't been turning it over. Right, we haven't seen a single fumble. Yeah. as far as I can recall, um, at least not a lost fumble. I uh, haven't seen a lot of interceptions. I think Jake is the only one with an interception in, in the preseason. And it was on like his third throw uh, of the first game, and you're expecting some mistakes. But no, I mean, I think just being productive, cutting out the penalties, and stacking first downs. I would like to see more drives finish in touchdowns. I think if I'm being critical of one thing, it's there's been too many drives that bogged down and ended field goals. Um, you saw the first two drives against the Chiefs, and it was like, man, they're going to score every on every drive this season. And then it's just, okay, what, what's happening later in games where you're just not able to sustain offense? So especially for Jake, I would like to see uh, a few more j- Jake Hayner's drives in the, end up in the end zone. And it's not his fault that he threw four touchdown passes on that first opening drive of the second half uh, against the Chargers, and there was two pass interference calls and, one, and two drops. Uh, but, yeah, I think – For his confidence going forward, I'd like to see him lead a couple touchdown drives.
2: For me, what I'm hoping to see, too, from this Saints squad today is a little more success in the run game. I feel like your average yards per carry really hasn't been impressive, but a lot of it, obviously, with your backup offensive linemen.
3: Yeah, I think that's probably where you've struggled the most is with the backup offensive line, and you could say, well, at least it's not the starting offensive (laughs) line because those are the players that we really want to see perform well, but... Every year you see a ton of injuries hit the offensive line. It's one of the most injured positions in the game for good reason. I mean, these are big guys who are constantly in exposed positions and getting rolled up on. So, you know, there's going to be situations where you have to get your backups in there. And, uh, yeah, you'd like to see them play a little better. I think Kendra Miller averaged like 2.3 yards a carry last week. I'd like to see that a little closer to four. Right, exactly.
2: Uh, Thanks to the good folks at Magazine Pizza for feeding our Saints crew today. Magazine Pizza 1068 Magazine for dining or delivery, the best gourmet pizza selection in town. Magazine Pizza also has pastas, sandwiches, wings, and salads. Just go check out magazinepizza.com right now. We'll be back with more of First Take on WWL right after this. Welcome back into First Take. You know, Jeff, we were talking about the possibilities of Blake Groupie, obviously, finding greener pastures eventually with someone like Sean Payton in Denver. But it was brought up to us by Cullen Steele behind the glass there that right now the Saints' week one opponent, they don't even have a kicker on their roster right now.
3: Yeah, it appears the Titans have uh, cut Michael Badgley. Yeah, well, and so hey, you know, the Saints seem to have two pretty solid kickers on their on their roster. Maybe, maybe if the Titans are looking for someone who is experienced in the Superdome,
2: <laughs> Hmm. how you know? <laughs> wouldn't it be ironic?
3: Yeah, like uh, yeah, Alanis Morissette would be proud. <laughs> um, you know, so one, one thing that I we've been talking about in the in the in the interim uh, is Ugo Amadi is kind of a fascinating figure when you when you look at it. You know, he's from. Uh, Nashville right and he had committed to Ole Miss originally and he ended up at Oregon and how How does that happen right well so Hugh Freeze had had apparently signed him and then went to say okay we need, want you to go to JUCO and he said no and he left or he, he decommitted and he was going to go to LSU with uh, John Chavis and Les Miles. John Chavis went to Texas A&M. Les Miles got fired so he was like well that doesn't work. John Chavis tried to co- recruit him to Texas A&M and he was like well no uh and then so his trainer was like, I know, I have the number of one of John Harbaugh's assistants at Michigan. I'll text him. And so his trainer texts that guy, and the, the guy who answers says, this is not the person you think it is, but it is the defensive backs coach of the University of Oregon. Hmm. And we need <laughs> a, a four-star cornerback. <laughs> what do you know? And he ended up signing there sight unseen. He had never even been there when he committed, and he went out there and he had this really great career. Um, he won a bunch of awards and, uh, you know, he ended up being a fourth round draft pick. The fascinating thing about that is the pick, it was the pick that the Saints traded to the Giants for Eli Apple that the Seahawks ended up getting and used to draft Ugo Amati. So
2: this And is, full circle. Now yes, Ugo's here.
3: Full circle. Ugo <laughs> Amati's on the Saints. And I fully expect him to make this roster. He's been very, very solid throughout camp. I think he's the backup nickel corner. He's returned kicks. He's forced turnovers. Right. He's you done- talk about that special team yes. involvement is definitely there. He's done everything that you would have hoped for him. And he was the first player the Saints signed early in the free agency. They wanted him early on. They got him. And, uh, you know, he's a guy – get familiar with him. He's wearing number zero. I asked him the other day why number zero, and he said – yeah he was the only one that wanted it uh and he's like yeah it looks pretty cool i'm gonna take it and it's like ugo and zero it's a it's a whole thing but yeah when we got man. to
2: talk to him uh, after practice one day i was like we affectionately refer to you as agent zero we kind of got a kick out of that at least yeah
3: well i expected there to be like a like you know a, a fight to get number zero <laughs> apparently not apparently he's the only one that wanted it
2: right i was like "Ah, you can have it
3: yeah but the, ugo Amadi's you know he's an interesting guy to talk to he's an interesting guy to watch and I think he's going to make this roster. He's one of the the guys that I'm, you know, I I think a lot of people would put him on the fringe, but I think he is firmly in the roster, uh, you know, inside the roster bubble.
2: Hanging out on our Oakland Hard Jewelers talk and text line, Jimmy and Gretna, you can also give us a call or text 504-260-1870. Jimmy, what you got this game day?
0: Hey, man, I'm trying to go to the game, dude. Last minute, bottom of the ninth here, trying (laughs) to get a hall pass from my wife again. Um, trying to do my honeydews. I see they got $5 tickets still on the secondary market. Hey, a couple things, um, you know, cuts and all that kind of stuff. To me, I'll say this about Jimmy Graham. I don't know what happened. He was walking in the street or whatever in L.A. I don't know what that was about. Or, I, and To me, at his age, I know he's in good shape. I mean, some people see it in him as a lock to make the team I kind of see him as a bubble guy. I feel like we got a lot of really good tight ends. So I wanted to get y'all's take on that. And also, what's the deal with this, uh, um, you know, pregame? They keep hyping this up on social media that everybody needs to be in their seats by like 6.15 for the game tonight because they got some special guests. Like, what is it, Reggie Bush with the bring the wood or? Uh, what is it, Matt Rife, or what are we? I don't, I don't know what, what's going on. What are they, what are they amping up here? Who's this like secret guest here? I, do y'all know?
3: So I think I, I don't, I don't know who the guest is. Thanks for the call, Jimmy. Uh, but I think it's for the hootat. I don't think it's for any like long pregame thing. I think you know maybe it's Breeze doing the hootat or something. But that was kind of the idea is everyone should be there in time to witness the hootat chant, which you know it's pretty close to the start of the game. You're talking about you know the national anthem. And then that. So if you're in your seats by a re- at a reasonable time, you should be able to see it. But I think that's what he's referring to is there's been some, you know, mystery around this. Uh, you know, I think John DeSager was tweeting about it. He's like, you're going to want to be there. Uh, so, yeah, check so, it out.
2: So this is supposed to obviously happen before kickoff, whatever the surprise is. Yeah, the and you're thinking it has to deal with the Houdat chance. Yes.
3: Well, that's what John DeSager tweeted. He's very specifically about the Houdat. So I think it has something to do with the Houdat. Um, but yeah, I don't know. They do the bells thing. Remember that they were ringing the bell last year. Maybe it has something to do with that. I don't know. uh But yeah, I, I mean, wait and see. Yeah, you're gonna have to wait and see. <laughs> I, I don't have any intel on that front.
2: uh Jimmy was talking and also about another Jimmy and he tight just wants end Jimmy to Graham
3: about the Jimmies. That's yeah. all it
2: is. <laughs> the Jimmies and the Joes.
3: Yeah, the Jimmies and the Joes. um Yeah, it, it's. I don't know. Like I don't think you're gonna see Jimmy Graham today, and if. And if you don't, then to me that's a pretty clear indicator that he's that on the roster. That you made it right, right. If you do, if he's out there playing, then I think there is something to be to be shown. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think he is pretty much a lock to make this roster personally, but we'll we'll see. You know, I I, I would. There's been weirder things to have happened than the 36 year old getting cut because he just doesn't do enough, right? So I don't think it's a no brainer for sure thing, but I feel pretty confident he's going to make it.
2: Yeah, I, I think Jimmy has shown that he still got what it takes. Hopefully, health-wise, we don't have any more scares with him. Haven't really heard anything more since they got back from that West Coast road trip, what ended up leading to that medical condition. We know that uh, the fear of seizures was involved uh, with Jimmy Graham. But, yeah, still haven't heard more about any other kind of developments, and if it would limit him come-his-football-future kind of thing. But when he came back He's after missing that one pra- practice, it was he looked like the same old Jimmy.
3: Yeah, he didn't practice on Tuesday, but he did get out there on Wednesday, and he didn't seem limited in any way. He, he caught a bunch of passes. He was involved. So, yeah, I don't I don't think that that's going to be the reason. If he misses the roster, I don't think that's going to be the reason why.
2: Closing out first take after the break right here on WWL after this. Dun, dun, dun. A perfect preseason on the line when things kick off. 7 o'clock in the Caesar Superdome. The Saints hosting the Houston Texans. We didn't get any joint practices leading up to this matchup, unfortunately, because it's always good work, but due to some extenuating issues with the Texans staff, and I just think it wouldn't have been – capable of doing that with the outside fields in the indoor facility
3: they're gonna have at least least one outside practice and based on (laughs) the temperatures that we have all experienced this like
2: today man
3: i am glad that we did not have to deal with that um I'm sure the players probably weren't too broken up about it either.
2: No, and I'm, I'm assuming maybe they would have had to have both sessions in the Superdome like they did on Friday without, obviously, the Texans present. But I would imagine you'd have to go in there if you're trying to do indoor work. The Saints facility just isn't big enough for two teams.
3: Yeah, and you, wouldn't, you would not you only have one pra- one field, so you couldn't do the kind of half and half like you would like you did in LA. Right, exactly. It, was just, it would have been difficult. So uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm definitely not complaining. But you did lose some valuable reps, so that's not a good thing. Um hopefully that's not something that's gonna bite him.
2: We know that Jay Kaner uh, and Jameis Winston will be seeing a bulk of the action at quarterback. Nothing for Derek Carr. Saints pretty confident what they saw from him week one and obviously uh week one of the preseason. Hopefully we have to see that in week one of the regular season when the Saints will be taking on the Titans, two more weeks from that. That'll be a noon kickoff. Yep. Uh, we'll be going at it 8 a.m. for first take them. But uh, going to be interesting, obviously, to see how things shake out with this roster as we close out the preseason. Jeff, is there any particular – we talked about a lot of position battles, but is there one particular player or position you'll be having your eye on the most for this matchup? Shaq Davis and Steve Perry, that-
3: baby. These 6'5 wide receivers going to be going at it.
2: We'll be getting more with more (laughs) of the Bud Light Countdown, the kickoff, right after this. Tune in to the Community Coffee Saints Radio Network.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.